You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 348, for the week of Wednesday, the 6th of March, 2019. I'm Scott, and with me tonight are... Ben. And Eddie. This episode is brought to you by Apple Music, Audible, and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our Toys of the Week are the Hot Toys Dusty Deadpool 1-6 scale figure, the Tweeterhead Superpowers Wonder Woman statue, and for our discussion topic, we break down the Mezco 112 Collective Classic Iron Man action figure. Hello there, Eddie. Hey, Scotty. How are we doing? I am good. Now, we are doing this show in two parts. The first part is uh, a conversation with Eddie and myself doing some Toys of the Week. And then the second part is a conversation with Ben for our toy breakdown. And it's not because Ben and Eddie won't be in the same recording room with each other. It's simply time and logistics to bring a show to you this week. So... Uh, with that said, how are you going, Eddie? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I, I've been a little bit sick this week, which is always a bit of a pain, but the grand scheme of life, I am going good. Had lots of uh, toys come in, which is fantastic that I am sure we'll get to in acquisitions. Uh, there's also been a lot of cool comic book stuff coming out, which is like my other side of the hobby that I love. And for some reason here, I know they're probably – ethically for uh the creators not the best way to purchase books but we have these books here called book grocers and they've been getting in a ton of collected edition comics for like six dollars uh each so i've been having a lot of fun dropping into because each different store seems to have a completely different random selection uh, of collected comic type things and just going through and uh, it sort of feels like the old days of flicking through long boxes of single issues looking for that comic you want whereas now it's sort of flipping through trying to find like oh do I have that trade is that the one that I stopped buying it I got the first three volumes but can I pick up four do I need four or oh I got this one in single issues but I really like this story so this is one I can grab but uh you know, flip through again if I want to read the story again or whatnot. So that would have been a weird, fun, old-school uh, comic feeling that I haven't had in a while. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And uh, on the acquisition side, so you, you mentioned that you've received some things. So what what have you received? Uh, so I've got the item that I will be talking about later tonight, the Hot Toys Deadpool. There's no use teasing it. You would have heard it in the intro. Uh, I also got my Marvel Legends Rider series in on the moped and the Professor Charles Xavier with uh, the very weird pearlesque sort of splooge substance that connects to his head uh, okay. that I'm sure no one on the internet is going to use for nefarious purposes and action figure meme uh, photos. Uh, I have also been continuing my uh, unfortunate deep dive and wallet-breaking uh, habit of trying to catch up on the Super 7 Masters of the Universe figures. So I got Crag, uh, yeah. uh, Rap Trap, and oh, there was another one I got. Oh, Dialamug. 
I got those three in from Wave 2. So I'm about halfway up to date on the Moto2C classic figures that Super 7 have released so far. Very cool. Very cool. I, uh, now, let's see. I've had a really disjointed uh, couple of weeks because I've had little bits of work travel in each week, which makes it the days don't kind of hang together sequentially very well. So it's, I'm trying to remember. Um, my main acquisitions this week have been two Mezco items, um, one of which Ben and I are going to be talking about later, the uh, classic Iron Man. And then the other is the DC Dark Side, which is quite an yeah. impressive uh, piece and definitely worthy of a toy of the week at some point. And then I have been continuing my bombshell mystery mini obsession, and I'm about two figures, oh, three figures away from a double set. So the, Ooh. I know. And I've managed to now find all but one of them in the wild. Um, and then the, and I've, you know, I eBayed about four of them that I was having trouble with. But in my quest to get, doubles i've now found all but one of them in the wild and I th- yeah like i said i think i've only got black canary which is the one i've never found in the wild uh to get one of because i only have the ebay one and then i need one more hot girl and one more katana and i'll have a double set and then somehow i'll have to make myself start buying them mm. or you could go for a third set Oh, no, that would be crazy. It's only because I want to have them next to their bombshell statue. And then I'll probably do that and won't like it. But that's my, there's nothing else to buy at the moment. That's my, you know, rationale. Uh, but particularly because the, the regular one Zing has for eight bucks, it's not like, you know, if you're buying, you know, one at a time, it's not breaking the bank. And I've also been doing some ebay hunting for mystery minis for other uh series that i've collected that have got some gaps in it and mostly setting up save searches and finding yeah it's it's really interesting depending on the series there are there can be four or five different sets of retailer exclusive pieces so going back to the x-men mystery minis which is a couple of years old now well that was one of the first was oh there's been this so the one the series i'm talking about was like 2017 um and the uh, there was a marvel there was a more generic marvel series that was one of the first ones but then this was an x-men specific one and i thought i knew all the different retailer exclusive pieces and then when i started doing some ebay i discovered three other ones i didn't even know existed <laughs> so like, man <laughs> so and and the couple that are i mean some of them i'm obviously never going to own because they're super rare and you know when something's so rare that it's not even on ebay that's when you're like oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's when you just start doing like group searches of like lots in the hope that someone's picked it up and chucked it in a lot, then they don't realize they yeah. have it, and not and not realized it, and it's, you know, because the ones that you know, there's 
the GameStop exclusives, which we get here because that's EB Games and Zing. And, but then, oh, what's the other? Formats? They get. No, there is another topic. game on. Hot, Hot Topic. topic. Uh, yeah. yeah, is another one that sometimes gets exclusives, and I don't, we don't have that here, and I don't think we have an equivalent. Well, I, I think JJ's is. would be the closest we'd have to a Hot Topic wouldn't it? But they, they don't really sell much in terms of bric-a-brac. They're still mainly the clothes side of things. I don't even know what Hot Topic is. Someone from America. Hot Topic, hot, yeah, I think it's kind of like a, it started as a bit more of like a gothic clothing place and then has sort of sort of late teens, early tweens. Um, so, yeah, I think JJ's would be a good one. Unless this is just what I've managed to Yeah I, I look forward to someone writing in and telling us we're wrong But we, we, yeah. we're open open to being wrong On that because we don't really know um, The most annoying thing about them Is that they get Funko exclusive things That we can't find Yeah Yeah, we know that But then we get exclusive that they can't find Yeah, I don't think we can actually complain much In the Funko department Because how it, however it works that we get all of the convention exclusives released here on the same day as the convention, making them easier to find in Australia than in America. Yes. <laughs> just, just like, I mean, shh, don't tell anyone. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. But I've, uh, yeah. I've told my fun convention exclusive story here, haven't I? Mm, don't know. So I was running a little bit early for work. So I thought I would pop into a Zing store uh, that opened early in the city, and I didn't realize that it was uh, New York Comic Con, uh, I think it was, happened to be going on that weekend. So they had the Australia launch of the Comic Con uh, exclusive Funko Pops. And I walked into this store, and it was about six or seven guys lining up at this table that had like <laughs> a blanket thrown over it and clearly pops underneath. And every one of them in the line turned around and just gave me a death stare. And the poor Zing employee was like, are you here for the convention launch? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm just here to like look around the store. And he let out an audible like, phew, like, oh, sigh. Oh, and the others didn't sort of change beat. They just turned their heads and stared at the table more. And I was like, oh, this is a bit awkward. I, I I'm not going to stick around here too long and sort yeah, of did a no. quick U-turn and popped out. Yeah, I, it's, I, I, I have to say, while we do get the stuff out here, now that people know that and you, know, you can see, like, on the day that they're released, by 10 a.m., some, some of them are you know, up being scalped on eBay. And so if you were desperate for something, you know, look, I, I, I don't ever want to be scrabbling with other humans for toys that's just not mm -hmm. no <laughs> um and and i mean if you're doing that because you are absolutely passionate about wanting to add something to your collection more power to you if you're doing it because you want to uh flip it for more money then you're a scum that's my yeah. nice take on it but what is not scummy is the things that we have to review this week. At least I hope not. We'll find out shortly when we come back with our first Toy of the Week. Yeah. Hey there, it's me, Miles Morales. And this is Prowler. We're teaming up to take him down. Trouble is, he's brought company. 
new Spider-Verse figures, each sold separately. More than one wears the mask. Well, Eddie is about to review a toy of his main man, Deadpool. Uh, but before he does, I need to issue a spoiler alert. And that is that this toy is a bit of a, what we call a toiler, in that the toy uh, is related to things that happen later on in the movie and reveal plot points, etc. So if you have not seen Deadpool 2 or Once Upon a Deadpool, and you don't want to be spoiled, then I would suggest that you uh, skip forward about 20 minutes. And if you skip forward and you still hear Eddie talking or hear something grammatically incorrect, uh, that'll be Eddie, and you should keep going. Oh. And, <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, uh, for those that have seen the movie or are not concerned about spoilers, and I'm in that category, I have not seen the film, but I have already told Eddie I'm not worried about it being spoiled, we'll hand over to Eddie. Oh, I thank you, I think, for that introduction. <laughs> Uh, so yes, I am talking a, about a high-end item, which is a bit rare for me. This is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, so bear with me. But I did have to pick it up because, as Scotty mentioned, it is my main man, uh, Deadpool. Uh, but this is a little bit different. So there has been a uh, Deadpool release from Hot Toys from the original movie, which I do own. There has also been one released for this second movie. Uh, I'm yet to pick it up because it does seem to be very similar to the original. It just seems to come with the uh, tra X-Men trainee jersey that he wears at a point and a couple of little accessories. So it was a little bit harder to justify spending a couple of hundred dollars on a figure that is basically a minor re-release of the one that I already own, uh, even though there probably are more movie-accurate slight detailings in the costume and all that uh, once I actually compare the two because I have noticed it. Uh, with this version that I have here, which I imagine this version uh, is more of the copy of that uh, original Deadpool 2 movie, but the reason why I didn't have any trouble uh, locking in this one is, one, uh, it is a uh, Hot Toys Sideshow exclusive figure. Now, I'm never quite too sure what this means uh, when they say Sideshow exclusive. Uh, I believe it means it's sort of the Hot Toys official retailer exclusive because I didn't buy this off uh, Sideshow. I got it uh, from Pop Culture here in Australia, which is an official uh, retailer of uh, Hot Toys. Uh, so I got it through them. Uh, and it is the dusty version of Deadpool. So uh, this comes from the very end of the film after Deadpool has been in an explosion caused by a fire fist and his normally bright red uh, outfit is covered in grey dust. Uh, which is a nice homage to his X-Force uh, outfit. Uh, it gives him that sort of look, uh, just minus the red eyes, uh, which uh, for those who were following the production of the film, uh, this outfit actually leaked very early on in production on Ryan Reynolds' Instagram uh, when he took a photo with the costume designer and keen-eyed fans, uh, like maybe myself, 
uh, noticed that on the costume rack in the background, you had all these red suits and then two at the back were these gray suits uh, that were in there. And everyone was like, who's going to wear the X-Force suit in the movie? It's going to be, it's probably a post credit scene. Oh, da, da, da. We're all wrong. It was a regular <laughs> suit that was covered <laughs> I love it. in uh, dust. But it was a nice homage to that sort of uh, classic gray variant that he wears. And because X-Force does appear in the movie, uh, it is a nice nod to them. Uh, now, in terms of detailing uh, in with the packaging, it's uh, Hot Toys. So it's that sort of classic Hot Toys uh, scale uh, box for a 12-inch figure. It's Deadpool sort of sticking his fingers into an OK symbol and sort of giving you a squinty-eyed look. It's all done in a grey colour, but there is sort of a light red sheen that comes over it as you move it uh, in the light, which is kind of a nice uh, nod to his dusty look where it is grey dusk, but there's a little bit of red still uh, showing through. So the back and the sides have uh, what looks to be like a bit of a concrete uh, design uh, in it, homaging the setting for the final fight. Uh, there's a lot of Chinese glyphs on the back uh, in terms of product information. Uh, I do find it interesting. This is a movie masterpiece series number 505. So if you're a hot what? toy collector, uh, it's a very big, expensive collection uh, by this point. Ben and of course, yeah. <laughs> and of course, yeah, that would be insane. Um, it's a sort of slip case that goes over a nice uh, window box that has the X-Men logo. Uh, and a Deadpool logo, and we have uh, what me and Scotty always love to see, which is some credits. So we have executive producers Howard Chen and J.C. Wong, creative producer Howard Chen, product designer Hiro Kwan, head sculptor Kojin, head painter J.C. Hong, head art director J.C. Wong, uh, painting controller J.C. Hong, Accessory sculptor Andy Chang, accessory supervisor. Oh, Andy needs some supervision, apparently. Uh, Patrick Ewing, costume well, production designer. We probably need supervision just to make sure they don't. Yeah, get just lost. yeah. We might lost be accessories. supervising the person yeah. who makes the accessories. It's probably just like keeping an eye on them. Yeah, you know, most with a fancy title. No offense, I'm sure it's a, a tremendous occupation. But... Uh, we also have a costume production designers, Pun Lo and Mrs. Tang. Uh, package designers, Zenith Z3 Monster Jr. And uh, photography directors, Kaken Monster Jr. and Hero Kwan. Product controllers, Venom Snake, Hero Kwan and Terry Cheng. Uh, and then, uh, of course, in the uh, through the window, you can see the main man himself, Wade Wilson, Deadpool, uh, in all his glory. So inside that window, we get a look at the glorious figure himself, the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, as he appeared at the end of the film. So, of course, being a hot toy, the head sculpt is a fantastic likeness uh, to the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Now, unfortunately, after three releases, we still only get masked heads. We don't mm. get uh, the sort of uh, Freddy Krueger having sex with an avocado uh, head. Uh, but this is still an amazing uh, head sculpt as uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
um, as you um, always tend to get from Hot Toys. Uh, now, if you haven't dealt with a Deadpool from Hot Toys before, what they actually do is where you've got uh, the black circles uh, on these cases, kind of more um, weird kind of oblonging shapes uh, on his eyes, uh, the black ones, uh, they have magnetic dots in them. So you can take a magnet, put it over the eye, and that whole eyepiece um, from the full black uh, encasing will come out, and you can swap that out with uh, other eyes, very similar to the way they handled it with the Revoltec uh, Deadpool figure. So you have five different pairs of eyes uh, to give you numerous options in terms of expressions uh, that it can be giving off from shock to surprise to the classic sort of one eye open uh, one eye closed. You can have it sort of that squinting, angry look. You can just have a very neutral face, uh, sort of whatever takes your fancy, and or you can swap them over every day and keep it going uh, fresh. So that is really fantastic. Uh, it does slightly make up for not having multiple head options, is that uh, you can basically change uh, his expression <laughs> every day, and it does work uh, really well. He also comes with an absolute ton of hands. So you've got uh, 12 in total, a pair of fists, a pair of relaxed hands, uh, a pair for holding his katanas, a pair for holding his pistols, a pair of uh, ones that are sort of pointing his fingers, doing sort of the gun finger looks, uh, one uh, that's giving a thumbs up, and one that's giving an okay sign. And yes, for all you uh, dirty-minded people who are wondering if you can reenact uh, a movement that he does a lot in the movies, you can take one of the finger-pointing hands and slide it through the hole in his finger for the okay sign uh, if you want to replicate uh, that hand gesture uh, that people often do when they're uh, simulating intercourse. Yeah. Uh, it does work really well. The, the finger is sculpted to perfectly go into the OK uh, hole. Uh, so well done there on the designers for uh, getting that right and knowing that uh, toy action figures bios, that will be one of the first things they tried to do because it was one of the first things I tried to do uh, with my action figure. Uh, in terms of the costume, because <laughs> – yeah, I, yeah – um <laughs> moving on yeah. uh in terms yeah. of his costume he is uh as a lot of hot toys are he really is just a dolly so he's got uh what i assume is a basic male buck underneath i'm really not risking taking this costume off to find out uh but he basically has a big uh faux pleather onesie that's then covered in little sort of plastic pieces of armor and uh, tiny little clip-on pouches into belts and that kind of thing that uh, loop and hook over him. So uh, being a Rob Liefeld character, he does have a ton of pouches both on the belts uh, and around sort of uh, or little kind of garter pieces uh, that he has on around the legs as well as one to strap in his knife holster and gun holsters. And he's also got a shoulder pauldron uh, that comes over the top of his shoulder with the sort of plastic strap on the top there. And this is all fantastic. It looks like it comes uh, straight out of the film. Incredibly, you do still get a lot of movement 
out of the figure, uh, despite him being completely uh, sort of uh, encased in this outfit. Now, that said, I'd kind of pick a neutral pose and stick with that. Uh, I don't think it's going to hold up over time from mass amounts of playability uh, uh, like a lot of hot toys uh, do. And generally, I'm going to have him in a position that's not going to bunch the clothing uh, too much up aside from maybe the elbows because that's kind of going to be a constant point of movement. So I'm sort of resigning them to uh, already being a little bit uh, scrunched over. Uh, Now, he does have, um, as I mentioned, the holsters for his knife and his guns, but he also has the sheaths for his katana swords Now, these actually come off his back very easily. They're not connected into any straps or anything like that. Uh, Where the swords meet in the middle, uh, there is kind of this uh, sort of formed block piece, and that's got a magnet into him that will connect onto a uh, piece of metal on his back. So this is actually really easy and holds in place really well. You're not sort of worried about it being on the strap or putting pressure on the strap to pull that down over his shoulder that's eventually going to wear and break from the pressure of holding up his uh, katana swords. Uh, It's just literally the magnet, and that just clips it on, and it's the magnet that sustains the weight of it so it's not affecting the costume uh, at all, which I think is a brilliant uh, way of doing it. And part of the reason they have to worry about the weight of the katanas, uh, I'll get to it a little bit more in the um, accessories section, but... The katanas are real metal. Uh, They're basically like mini knives that you get in this set. Uh, So they do have a lot of weight to them. So uh, it is something that uh, I'm very glad that they thought about how they're going to do so it doesn't uh, affect the costume uh, at all. Uh, So speaking of his weapons, uh, the katanas are brilliantly done. Now, these are new katanas for the new movie. Uh, which this is one of the fantastic things about Hot Toys is I get to sort of look at uh, the movie props in greater detail than you can kind of make out on the screen. Uh, So I didn't realize they actually have the Deadpool symbol right before uh, the hilt uh, of the blade. And this is sort of known if you follow Ryan Reynolds on Instagram, but doesn't really get featured too heavily um in the film itself but uh at the very base of the katana on the handle it's got some engraving etched in so one of his katanas is called b and the other katana is called arthur so they're named after his celebrity crush b arthur uh which is (laughs) a little nod to the comics uh he comes with two pistols now the pistols are very modular um, now, forgive me, once again, my gun knowledge is never the best. I need uh, Ben or John here to tell me what parts I'm talking about. But uh, you know when you fire a pistol and the top of it sort of comes back? Uh, you can do that with these pistols here. You can pull the top of the gun back as if you're cocking it. And you can see a bullet there in the chamber. But you can also pull the magazine of the gun out from the bottom there too. So uh, I yeah. there either. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, so that that's uh, both uh, Eddie and Scotty's gun knowledge uh, in all its total. Uh, you've just heard here, folks. Uh, and he also comes uh, with the dagger for his sheath. And what's listed in the description as two shurikens. 
but they're kind of more th- little throwing daggers, I'd call them, uh, than shurikens. But shurikens might be uh, the proper title for them. I, I don't 100% know uh, on that end. Uh, a nice, like, tiny piece of extra accessories that he gets is he has two skeet ball tokens. Uh, now, this is an important part of the film. Uh, it's what uh, Vanessa and him play in the very first movie, and it's a bit of an anniversary gift uh, that they have, and he carries it around with him. Now, he does get shot at a point in the movie and is saved by the bullets uh, by hitting uh, this skateball token. So you get one that's a nice clean skateball token and one that's a bullet damaged one that sort of stopped the bullet uh, from going in. And they are absolutely tiny, but you can still make out the skateball riding uh, on the token itself, which is uh, very nice. He also comes with Cable's time travel uh, device, which uh, people might think is a little bit weird because obviously that's Cable's device and not uh, Deadpool's. Uh, but if you did stick around for the post credit scene, uh, he has taken it and is using the device to go back and shoot Ryan Reynolds in the head uh, as he's about to accept the Green Lantern movie offer. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so that, that, that's a nice little uh, Easter egg accessory uh, that they've dropped in and included here. The weirdest accessory – oh, no, actually, sorry, before I get to them, uh, and he does also come – with the anti-mutant um, powers uh, sort of necklace. Um, what would you call it? It's kind of a choker. Um, like a, thing. Uh, uh, it'll come back to me or not. Yeah, it's a wearable yeah. neck device they listed as in the detail, but it's, yeah, it's uh, one of those things that sort of wrap around the neck and then the light glows on and he no longer has uh, any powers. Uh, type thing so that's a device that's a bit of a um, feature that is used on a lot of characters throughout the movie um, and he does come with one of those because that does play an important part uh, by the end uh, but weirdly the weirdest accessories he comes and this is unfortunately where I do have to start being a little bit negative uh, with the figure is that uh, as he gets ripped and torn apart uh, throughout the movie and it goes on, he doesn't exactly have a lot of money. So he's basically duct taping his suit together. So the figure actually comes with a massive sticker sheet of silver strips that you can peel off and place on the figure as if it's been sort of duct taped uh together and that uh which you have to apply yourself uh which was something i wasn't expecting um i could understand this more on the regular red deadpool figure because obviously that look was changing throughout the movies but by the time we get to this dusty look uh at the end of the movie there's no more additions it is just what it is so i was sort of expecting these silver pieces to be uh, already applied and just part of the outfit. And it's left me feeling a bit like, oh, do I have the faith in myself to apply stickers to a hot toy? Do I want to apply <laughs> stickers to a hot toy? Like, just saying that. Do I need an to do it for me? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, uh, <laughs> sounds very weird. And the other issue is it goes in spots. There's a point where um, 
I, I, I can't uh, reveal who the character is, even though we've given the spoiler warning. I, I do still want some things to be a surprise for people. But there's a certain character that rips him in half uh, at a point in the movie, and uh, he fully gets uh, duct taped back together around his midsection, which is under his belt, uh, which I kind of don't want to take his belt off to apply stickers and then struggle getting his belt with all the pouches. Yeah. Uh, back on so uh, this is my real major ding uh, with this guy is that unfortunately he's not film accurate because he doesn't have these duct tape pieces on Uh, but weirdly they've given me the option but I yeah you know for a $400 toy I want the duct tape pieces to be on and the person to do a couple of hours in my garden (laughs) do you think that um they did that because they thought that some people might want it on? I imagine it was done because for this, they've probably just used the suit that came with the original red uh, design uh, from the last Deadpool 2 uh, figure. Uh, and that is the one that I could imagine people wouldn't want it on because they want might want him displayed how he looked at the beginning of the film um, through to about the midway point uh, of the movie. Uh, particularly since he comes with the trainee outfit jersey, uh, which mm. is more beginning of the film before he started duct taping himself. So that's the figure I can see it. And if they've just reused the exact same sort of suit pattern here to cut out and design up the suit and they've just painted it differently, that's where they might be just including this uh, sticker sheet that already exists for that figure uh, for this one here. But this is the one where it's like I. I wouldn't imagine most people would have a fault with it because it is coming from such a specific moment of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, there, there probably is uh, laws of statistics, someone out there that's just like, no, I want my dusty suit Deadpool not to look like how he did in the movie. Um, <laughs> it's a specific moment. That's just law of averages. But I would imagine given the option, if you were to say you can have one that's uh, 100% accurate, or you can have this one that's almost accurate. Most would probably go with the 100% accurate version. But it's not a deal breaker. Um, I'm not uh, completely devastated by it. It's just one sort of ding uh, there. Um, but I'm never really one for stickers anyway. Like I mentioned, I got my moped Deadpool. He comes with stickers. I could put them on if I really wanted to, but I'm probably not going to. I've just got a drawer of sticker sheets uh, out there somewhere. Uh, and of course the, yeah, yeah. it's just it's something about putting stickers on a hot toy just doesn't, it just doesn't really work. Um, and of course being a hot toy, he does come with the figure base with sort of the nice soft grip, um, clip to hold him up standing him upright. The base, uh, isn't really dioramary. It's artwork from the closing credits of sort of a hand drawn Deadpool in all, uh, kind of different ways you see him throughout the movie or representing uh, plot lines from the movie. And, of course, the thing that Ben loves the most, a little name plaque uh, oh, so goodness. that you know that this is Deadpool and on the base it tells you that it's from Deadpool 2. So if you're wondering which character this is from Deadpool 2, uh, it's it's Deadpool. And you, you know that from, it's here oh, on the goodness. base. Because yeah. obviously, you know, if you're spending that amount of, mo- amount of money, there's no guarantee that you actually know who the character is. And so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So he is uh, a fantastic figure for the most part. Obviously, Hot Toys 
Um, you know, I could spend ages just talking about the time travel device and how that sort of layers and layers of clear plastic to give it this sort of nice clock um, effect. But uh, really, um, you, you kind of know at this point as a collector what Hot Toys is and what they deliver. And this guy definitely delivers that for the most part. Um, uh, it, it is really just those stickers that are going to ding it. So with that, I am going to give him $9 out of 10. I think that's fair. I think a sheet of stickers for a high-end piece like that is a surprise that you, would, you wouldn't be expecting. Yeah, particularly like it does have it in the details of the figure, but when I look at images of it, he's pretty much got them in most of the promo images that they've released there. Um, they have it with the stickers already applied. And I, I'm not one for reading on my dollies. No, <laughs> that's fair. I love it. I'm not one for reading. Yeah. Nor should you be. Very cool. So I, I think this is actually really interesting. I, I'm so sad that John isn't here because – you know, if if the, if ever there was a time to talk about weathering, yeah. you know, this that the whole premise of the reason this figure exists is weathering, right? Um, mm. So I'd I'd be I, I feel like we're going to miss something by not having his commentary on the quality of the weathering, but you know, the- yeah. it, it is really good. It, it is something I I have kind of glossed over because. That's kind of literally what it is, is it's a glossing over the basic Hot Toys Deadpool figure um, with kind of this greyish powder paint. Uh, so he obviously does have some sort of light red colouring going on underneath. They haven't gone with the bold red uh, that the original figure comes with. Uh, and then there's sort of this grey dust wash uh, that's been it's kind of like uh, almost as if they added a little bit of powder to the paint that's been uh, brushed and washed over him. And with that muted red look and this grey dust paint, uh, it does mean that uh, he looks like he's more dusty than he actually uh, is uh, because it looks like it's dulling his red uh, that much, uh, which is going to be fantastic for the shelf because I really don't have to dust him. He's just always going to look dusty. So uh, that, that, that's a bonus. <laughs> That's right. If he does get yeah. dusty, it's actually adding to the authenticity. Yeah, it's just a custom. Yeah. You can say that's how he came. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's a custom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, John, please uh, feel free to send in your thoughts on the weathering quality here, and we we could add them as an addendum to this episode and uh, and also send us a recorded sigh um, because we miss it. But in the meantime... We shall take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll have our second Toy of the Week for this episode. Dressed this way, she's a Navy Wayne, but beneath that uniform, she is the Wonder Woman doll. And now you can create your own Wonder Woman adventures with these other dolls. Major Steve Trevor, Nubia, Wonder Woman Super Foe. Gotcha, Major. Wonder Woman, Major Steve Trevor, and Nubia Doll sold some. Well, you've now heard one toy of the week, so how about a two-for-one offer? Let's give you a second toy of the week with Scotty. Over to you, Scotty. For free. 
Yeah. Yeah, for free. Uh, two for the price of one. Indeed. Mm, both free. Yep. So I don't think that my Toy of the Week has any spoilers, unless you don't know who Wonder Woman is, and that's not really a spoiler, you know, per, per se. I'm really enjoying the Superpowers statue line from Tweeterhead, which has become uh, my kind of company of uh, the year. I think it, you know, it was this year. I just I love some of the stuff that they are doing, and also the way that they are engaging um, fans, which is awesome. And I, the next in the Superpowers series, and this is number seven, is Wonder Woman. So this is a meant to be a far-reaching line of classic DC characters. So far, I have reviewed their Harley Quinn and Supergirl statues. I haven't reviewed Joker, but he was my Statue of the Year in our Toy of the Year awards. Amazing. And then this is, uh, it says number seven. I think there's a couple that actually ha- number before that that haven't actually come out yet, um, and one that I don't have. So I'm not I'm not uh, compulsively going to buy all of these just for the number. I'm probably going to buy most of them just because they're pretty cool. But anyway, this is a 2019 release and acquisition. This is a, a sculpt by Jack Matthews based on a Jose Garcia Lopez design. And this is uh, 13 and a half inches tall on the base. So there is an album on our Facebook page that shows my photos of this and also a photo of the packaging, which is lovely. The uh, There's a, a consistent look to the boxes of this. It's got it's, you know, the Superpowers sort of logo, but it's called the Superpowers uh, Collection. And uh, one thing which they don't do is numbered editions, and they have actually said on their one of their Facebook Live streams that they are going to start, which I think would be fantastic. It's just an added piece, but they do have a really nicely printed uh, base with sculpture credits, which, as Eddie mentioned before, we are big fans of giving the... Uh, creators the credit that is due. Really nice uh, combination of very clear graphics and photos of the items on these boxes and also then pictures of upcoming pieces which I don't mind in this context because it is a collection so seeing what's coming up which is really cool and it's consistent as well. Uh, The bases on these are have got Sculpture credits, which is great. Eddie and I are a very big fan of that. Currently, Tweeterhead doesn't number their editions, but they have mentioned on a recent Facebook live stream that they are going to start, which just adds something as a collector, so I am happy about that. Now, this actually comes in a surprising number of pieces, and the the box is quite big compared to it's quite wide compared to say Supergirl etc and so I was really kind of surprised when I opened it up to see that the number of pieces that it was in and couldn't quite work out then why the box needed to be as big as it was because her bottom half like waist down the, the base is a separate piece and then the bottom half waist down is a a separate piece her torso with arms 
and neck is a piece, and then head and arms are separate. So there is uh, there's a bit of kind of spare real estate in the box. Now, I think one of the reasons might be that there was a Tweeterhead exclusive version that had a uh, a couple of swap-out parts in a different torso, and so obviously they've used the same box for both, but it does mean, I think from a shipping point of view, that you're paying for a lot of dead space in the box if you've just got the regular. So that was a bit of a things that make you go, hmm, you know, when you when you open it up. The and that's why the the torso piece is separate because their website exclusive was more of the classic American Eagle bodice and this is more of the you know not like modern classic just W symbol bodice. The base is a kind of stone rubble coliseum broken thing. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's really nicely sculpted with some beautiful detail in the stone. And uh, then I, I assume they've used a wash over it, but the paint on this is beautiful. Uh, on their recent Facebook Live, that actually just went up today, Chad Colbank, who runs Treaterhead, mentioned that they loved the... Uh, factory that did the paint on these statues they were all just absolutely perfect and that they're trying to throw more work the way a great paint is going to be a, a theme here because this is really really beautifully done the as well as the uh, figure itself there are two extra pieces which is a sword and a shield they don't attach to the statue they sit on the base but still very cool the and there is a space that they kind of slot in so that's pretty neat and tidy and then we have another option as well which is her she has two sets of arms and amulets or bracelets one just standard and then one that has ricochet effects coming off of the bracelets deflecting bullets which is really really cool super fun the sculpting of this is beautiful. The head sculpt uh, by Jack Matthews is fantastic. It is Wonder Woman can be, I think, a hard character to capture in, and because we all have this kind of iconic idea, I think, of what Wonder Woman should be in our heads. And when mm. you're too fired from that, then you just feel like, well, that doesn't even look like Wonder Woman. Um, but, you know, this being based on the Garcia Lopez. Um, designs and uh, the, the the sculpting it's just been done beautifully yeah which, which for those who don't know Garcia Lopez uh, was basically responsible for the uh, DC is it would it be house style would you call it I believe so I believe that's correct yeah yeah, the, the licensing sort of Bible books that they send out to people and say you know this is what the characters should look like this is how they are if you're presenting them on uh, paper plates or go <laughs> put them on a banner or uh, they're going to be on cereal boxes and that. For years, it was Lopez's art that was being used. So if you saw DC characters in like the 70s, the 80s, yeah. 90s and all that, uh, it was really based off uh, his art. So for a lot of the DC characters, 
his version is the versions that uh, you were kind of first introduced to in a lot of ways. Indeed. I, I love the fact that she is not like overly muscly masculine. Uh, you know, I, I always kind of think with Wonder Woman that obviously she has a amazing physique, etc. but her strength is a, a power. It's not just a, you know, she's not a bodybuilder, you know, if that, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I would say the one thing about the, the sculpt that is a bit, uh, her, her waist is unbelievably thin. Um, the, you know, she's got the hourglass figure happening there, but when you kind of look at it in profile, it's almost impossibly, uh, uh, it's a very thin waist, so um, yeah. But not a lot of room for organs. No. Uh, no, that's right. Yeah, but you know, who knows where the Amazons keep their internal organs? Like yeah. they might be in the thigh or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, so, but she is st- stunning. The oh, her lasso is another piece as well. That now I'm trying to actually think: is that actually attached to the? No, it's not. The the lasso I believe is attached to the torso um, piece, and so that uh, fits onto the the legs. And I've got I tried to take a photo of each stage of the construction in our Facebook album, just so you can see how she was put together. Um, the so so sculpt you know beautiful waist super small but some artistic license there and that's you know, that's okay the the paint on this as i mentioned before is stunning mm. the the like it is just uh probably the best paint job that i have seen on a statue in a really really long time the the lines all all the way along are beautiful um the the white lines on her boots are just impeccably done the you know there's no bleed anywhere the skin tone is beautiful her eyes yeah that are... that's what's impressing me in your photos is the skin tone is just really immaculate like there's just there's something about it that i i don't know if i've really seen before it sort of is both a combination of sort of skin tone paint and just sort of natural shadows that yeah. uh, come on the figure thanks to the sculpting. But, you know, you can see a level of muscle definition, but it doesn't look unnatural in any way yeah. in the way that it's sort of colored. It's not like 300 where they've painted their body to define <laughs> their muscles at all. It just yeah looks like how an arm should look. Yeah. No, it, it's beautifully done. And as you said, there are, there is shading and, uh, tone in that that it's hard to describe you know it's sometimes you see it's, it's almost subtle would be it, it is very subtle yeah beautiful um, sometimes in statues or and figures to you you see the attempt to do that and it's kind of obvious shading and i'm not i'm not sure exactly how they've accomplished it here but you know really lovely and then all of the metallic pieces have got a, a very nice kind of chromey shine to them the stars on her bikini bottoms again you're beautifully uh, done uh, and 
yeah, I I'm, I'm, was really interested because I had noticed I was blown away by the paint, and so I was really interested listening to the Tweeter Head. Uh, sorry, watching the Tweeter Head live ski, uh, stream to hear them talking about how great the, this factory was at paint, and they're going to be painting the upcoming Wonder Girl statue as well, which I'm very excited about because if she turns out like this, it will be a very happy day. So the, these are uh, one of the things that I really love about this line is that it is a scale that we haven't really had uh, DC statues in any uh, volume. So obviously Sideshow is doing the, the quarter scale and doing that uh, pretty well. The um, DC Direct is doing some statues at a lower price point with simple bases that are in this uh, kind of scale range, but the the complexity of the bases of these and the designs is really next level. And then obviously that real classic uh, look and feel for these characters, which is something that is uh, hard to, obviously, what is classic to one is kind of in the eye of the beholder in a sense. Um, but uh, these guys are obviously the same vintage as me. And so that works well for me. And, you know, there are characters like Martian Manhunter and Hawk Girl uh, coming up that uh, are the sort of characters that I have been hanging out for classic statues of since I started collecting. So, uh, I'm excited about this line. I'm loving this piece. Uh, I am. I'm not going to ding them for the the big box, although I do think that was a bit uh, of you know something that obviously, if you had the exclusive, you would see it taking up all the space. But I wonder whether or not the non-exclusives really needed to be that expensive to ship with that amount of. Uh, space in them but that takes nothing away from the absolute quality of this piece and so she has to be a 10 out of 10 for me oh nice and I, I can definitely see where you get that result from just looking at the pictures so I can only imagine what she'd be like in person she has a stunning she looks great next to the Bronze Age Supergirl as well very fun yeah now she does have a very stylized look to it does she match up with the other superpowers um collection well yeah so that like i said she she in the the harley and joker are really clearly designed to go together um this fits in better fits in well with them but fits in better with the bronze age supergirl and i think you know the other pieces that are coming up the joker um is definitely a bit more it's you know classic uh, but with a bit more of a modern head sculpt, I think. Like, um, and uh, so I have I've got those two together, and then Wonder Woman and Supergirl together, and they actually work really nicely together. Nice, very cool. Uh, well, if you don't have uh, anything else to add, uh, how about uh, we sit here and bask more in this statue's glory, but we'll let everyone else take a break. And when we come back, um, I believe Ben will be taking over. Yes, indeed. Armor up, Iron Man. Engage interlock mechanics. Armor up, War Machine. This critical beam. Attach from battle computer module. My brain blast. 
beings I rule the land and sea. Just undersea dome. I'm here to make waves, Mandarin. Iron Man, War Machine, Hydro Armor, Iron Man, and action figures, each sold separately. Well, we have a, a, a show in two parts uh, this evening, and this is part two. Uh, <laughs> we said goodbye to Eddie, and we are now saying hello to Ben. How are you, Ben? Hello. Yes, I am good. Thank you very much. Thank you. And you? I'm I'm good. Yes, I am still here <laughs> and still uh, you know, being the, the the consistent narrative thread through this episode. Um, but we're checking Fantastic. You're a good man, you. Charlie Brown. <laughs> but we're checking in with you for the first uh, time tonight. So what has been happening in Benland? Oh, not a great deal. It's been pretty quiet, I have to say. Nothing of, uh, no, nothing of consequence. Mm, oh, gosh, struggling with this one. Family's well, all the things yeah. are... Okay, cool. Yeah, it's all really normal. So in, in the toy yeah, world, what have, you been, <laughs> what have you been acquiring? What is happening? Well, I got very excited uh, last week because a bunch of pre-orders came in, so I am almost up to date with Star Wars Black, uh, which is nice. Pretty groovy getting some of those kind of classic uh, figures that I, I really haven't had a- any version of for, you know, a long time um, and then to suddenly, you know, have four bomb in hand and it's fun. But I think I was most excited about Dengar. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, uh, a bunch of Marvel Legends turned up, uh, but uh, most exciting is, of course, uh, our discussion topic for this episode, one that I pre-ordered uh, about a bajillion years ago. And... Uh, <laughs> Has finally turned up, and uh, yes, nice, nice yeah. to finally have. Yeah, well, this this is quite interesting. So we are going to be doing a breakdown of the Mezco 112 Collective Classic Iron Man, and uh, we it was a few episodes ago when we did our Toy Fair reactions, and based on some of the Marvel releases that we saw at Toy Fair, I'd said I'm going to have to start doing the you know kind of classic marvel stuff here because there's just too much good stuff so unlike you <laughs> yes. i hadn't pre-ordered this um but i picked up uh dr strange was my first marvel oh. um figure and he's very nice amazing and then i saw that this had come in and so i grabbed it and just happened to be getting it i think on on the the day after you did, so very good. Excellent, but mine, yeah, excellent. Mine, yours was planned ahead. Mine was <laughs> more spontaneous. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> this there was an Iron Man for this line revealed a really long time ago, and I, I'm actually wondering. I don't know. I I had in my brain that it was had like fabric and stuff, and I'm now that I've we have this beautiful all metal. Iron Man spoil, review spoilers. Um, I <laughs> am thinking, did I did I imagine this? I mean, it just took a long time in coming. Um, does that ring hmm. bells with you, or it doesn't? Uh, uh, probably, I wouldn't have paid a lot of attention unless it was classic. 
Uh, I, I, look, I tend to get really confused with a lot of the, the movie armors and, you know, these days, you know, most of the Iron Man figures in, you know, one way or another seem to be based on um, the various incarnations from the films. Um, and, and I honestly can't tell them apart. I lose track of which one's which and I tend to tune out very quickly, um, particularly with some of those, you know, the Revoltex and stuff like that. Um, so this one definitely stood out to me as soon as I saw it, uh, you know, that those early shots and then a solicitation and I thought, yep, Yep, I'm in for that one. So no, nothing's ringing a bell. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe the very early ones that we saw were not kind of fully. It, it wasn't uh, fully done, right? Cause mm. Certainly, from the you know, Mesco did a, a very large number of reveals when they launched this line, and then some of them have taken quite a while to actually come to be. This being one of them. So um, I was just wondering whether or not maybe some of the delay might have been that. They made changes to it, uh, but not not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell because, you know, they're almost as bad as Sideshow with their, you know, soliciting five years in advance and, and so many, you know, things can happen between, um, you know, that solicitation when something finally comes out. So, yes. um, indeed, indeed. But um, I, I think mm. that my, my you know, kind of overarching feeling on this one is that whatever the weight was, it has uh, been worth it. Um, but you know, spoilers. We'll we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, so if we kind of you know, start at the beginning with uh, packaging uh, thoughts. Oh, uh, I think I commented uh, my last Mezco review, and I. I find the, the, the 17 different layers to be a bit kind of, you know, over the top because uh, it comes in a plastic bag. So you remove the plastic bag and then the outer sleeve has plastic around it. Um, so, you know, the sleeve has a sleeve and, you know, admittedly that kind of inner box does slide out, but you've still got to sort of pop the end open to uh, to get in. And, and, and it's all very nice and it's presented really well. It just doesn't feel particularly efficient, I guess. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of pulling bits everywhere and putting it aside just so I can get into this thing. And um, but, but it looks nice, you know. I, there's, there's no doubt about it. They, they do a good job in that presentation. I just don't know how, you know. It's, it's kind of like Diamond Select. You look at it and it looks great, but yeah, in the scheme of things. I have to say I haven't given much thought to the artwork or logos on the other Mezco boxes, but I have to give props to this one because it is that real classic Marvel Comics Invincible yes. Iron Man logo. Yes, yes, it's gorgeous. No, it really is. And and, and this is what attracted me to it. Uh, this is the Iron Man I grew up with. Uh, obviously, the design's been around a long time, but you know, I think Bob Layton, of course, is the one that really brought that, that fine detail to it and... You know, this has always been Iron Man, and you can uh, you can kind of um, go over the top with that Iron Man armor design, and and for me, it always comes back to this, and and I think this is a, a really fantastic uh, interpretation of it. Oh yeah, I mean, I think if you are a Marvel kid of the seventies or eighties, you're going to look at this and just say, "Well, that's my Iron Man." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah beautiful. It is, yeah. and I'm. You know, look, they've taken a bit of license here and there, which we'll obviously talk about in a, in a bit. Yep. But uh, I don't think any of it actually takes away from that classic design. It just, no. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Mm. So uh, this is this, the one of two Mezco pieces that I got 
at the same time, the other one being the DC Dark Side piece, which is something that I'll talk about yes. at another time because oh my goodness, and they're both <laughs> they're both also ones that have got battery light up bits. Not, yes, I have to confess I have not had a chance to actually play with that yet because I don't have a teeny tiny screwdriver with me. Um, to, oh, of course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That was a challenge, yes. Oh my yes. gosh, I know. Well, I actually tried to have a go at, at Dark Side, and then I was like, I'm going to you know, end up killing this, and I need the world's smallest screwdriver to do that. So I have to say, like, obviously, they've got to do something to protect it, but gosh, that is irritating. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's actually a credit to the fact that we've got light-up features in a, a figure that, that is this small. Um, you know, I mean, I know oh, light-up is, yes. is not unusual, but, you know, yeah. they've packed a lot into what's effectively a small frame. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think and as we go through, it's pieces like that because you know, a question which is a fair question, I think, when you look at this and see that it is, uh, you know, metal sculpted, it's not fabric costume etc is why would i pay this price point for a a a 112 scale iron man when you know i can get a marvel legends or whatever and obviously the if you want to call it a value proposition the light up features and then the accessories that go along with them that is a a significant piece of that Um, but let's talk about what comes in the box once you finally get it open you know, two layers of plastic, 14 layers of cardboard, <laughs> 87 plastic trays. Uh, then there's a lot of stuff in here. There is indeed. There is indeed. And, uh, well, you know, uh, we obviously um, 112 figures have a lot of stuff in common, so you're obviously going to get swap out hands and things like that. But um, I think part of the fun of a figure like this is just – um, you know, that, that sort of small giggle that comes through when you get to play with bits that, you know, are pretty much going to be unique um, to this figure. And uh, first and foremost, I guess, is the, the different blast effects uh, yes. that he comes with. And there's uh, there's a lot going on here. Oh, my <laughs> so, gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, yes. And, uh, I mean, we we have the, the traditional, what they're referring to as hand blast effects. And I guess this is what you would call his repulsors which are these uh, translucent-y blue kind of almost clear um, uh, pieces that, that attach to uh, his palms. So yeah. he does actually have, you know, little repulsor. I mean, they actually look like his little repulsor holes and, and, and that works really well. But then, of course, you know, the, the secondary feature is that you can actually plug these hand blast effects into them. Um, and so he gets one for each hand, which is actually really good. Um, but, you know, the, the fun one, I thought, was uh, the chest beam which is yes. basically a variation of the hand blast effects, but it actually plugs into um, that sort of, you know, that round uh, disc that he has in his chest, that sort of, tr- um, that classic, uh, yeah, thing, which is blue for some reason. It's I, I was kind of trying to work out, you know, you know the blue thing is, a, I don't know. but um, now, the, Interesting, because I was actually going to ask you that, because I had the same thought. I was like, why are these blue? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to go, yeah. oh, well, you know, in Invincible Iron Man 324. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was uh, some kind of coloring technique, you know, that, uh, that that you know, how they use blue to uh, highlight black. But, um, you know, I've always, you know, perceived this as actually being yellow. 
Um, and so, you know, if you look at probably someone like Bob Layton, um, he often had that disc and it was coloured yellow. Uh, so I'm not quite sure why we went with the blue, but it doesn't actually take anything away from it. I think it still works really, really well. And I'm sure somebody somewhere will find one particular image where it's blue and go, see, see, it was blue for, you know, <laughs> one panel uh, or something like that. But, you know, I certainly know this as you know, uh, as yellow, if you look at all of those classic um, latent covers, you know, through the, the alcohol saga and things like that, Demon in a Bottle, um, you'll see that it was actually yellow. So blue's a, an interesting choice. I think, you know, maybe it had something to do with the way the effects light up. I, I, I don't know. But, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, look, the, the chest beam is actually pretty cool because um, the, the the palm ones have kind of the, 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 the spiky bits coming out of his palms and then it becomes like a sort of traditional you know blast but the uh the chest beam which has the same kind of effect has these uh spiral pieces running around it um giving you those sort of multiple layers of energy uh and so it, it, it plugs into that kind of arc reactor in the chest and what's actually really cool is when the chest lights up on its own it's, it's quite bright and it's almost like a, a little sort of torch on its own but you can actually take that out and replace it with the chest beam but then the light actually travels through that chest beam effect and actually causes it to light up so it, it you know it, it um you know it's just the way they've colored the plastic that the light travels through it so um yeah i think it, it looks great it's it's a nifty piece uh and the last of the four uh are the booster effects which are the same sort of thing as the hand blast effects, but they can plug into the hands and the feet. So if you are someone who displays your figures in a flying pose, you've got the option of actually having those, uh, you know, flames coming out the, the bottom of his feet and also his hands, which, as we know from the movies, he uses to stabilise himself. And I don't know, um, I'm, I'm neither here nor there on those. I'm, I'm not used to Iron Man having sort of the, you know, that, that stuff sort of blasting out the bottom of his feet. Um, but um, no, they do look good when you when you plug them in. I think it's a really nice touch, though, in terms of being able to get some very dynamic poses if you want to use the flight stand, etc., and yes. really illustrate that. So I, I think it's a, a clever touch in the way that they've you know, made those interchangeable is fantastic. The yeah, one of the, there are obviously a lot of pieces. Uh, here the there are and even when you then get down into swapping things out you discover that there are detachable pieces on the figure that don't you don't realize at first are detachable which yes <laughs> again i think you know in terms of the the value of the piece and the price point starts to make more sense it also then makes me more nervous because then it's like oh well more things to lose um like the arc, yeah. the arc reactor cover which is so tiny so um, it is that but it's it's super super fun i also have to give high props for a, a really good set of visual instructions on how to do all of these swap out pieces because that often is a <laughs> a challenge you know if you think about uh, statue assembly you know as a thing the number of pieces that i have owned and put together that really needed to come with instructions where you end up kind of holding very breakable parts in your hand not really understanding how to put them together um <laughs> the, <laughs> and uh, yes yes yeah, so these are these are really good instructions 
Yeah, and I mean, most of these pieces are, are just absolutely tiny. Uh, the batteries, uh, there's two batteries that go in a cover on the back. So what's really cool is he's got this kind of little, uh, you know, little pod on his back, and that actually comes off and reveals the battery compartment, and of course the on-off switch um, underneath. And and you actually have to, as you know, you mentioned, Scotty, you got to get a little screwdriver and actually undo that. But of course, the first thing I did was take the pack off his back and then flick the switch, and then of course the lights didn't come on, and you know I was cursing every body that can be cursed and oh you know typical you know now i've got one that doesn't work what am i gonna do now i'm gonna have to go and you know chase it and then the, the batteries are in the most bizarre spot they're kind of like in that that secondary tray underneath that basically has nothing except the the base so you've got the you know the disc for the base and you know the stand and then there's this little sort of impression in in the tray with these two tiny batteries in it and it's like oh it, it comes with batteries and I think that the tiniest batteries on the market, they're just minuscule. And, you know, I've got these giant sausage fingers and I'm trying to shove these little batteries in. And, of course, you know, being an idiot, I, I put them in, screwed the cover on, turned it on, and then it didn't work. And then it's like, unscrew the cover, take the cover off, turn the batteries around, <laughs> put the cover back on, and then it worked. You know, like not to, you know, learn your lesson or anything. No. So, um, yeah, yeah, very, very fiddly um in in that sense particularly if you've got uh, sort of rather large hands um I shall but be engaging uh, yeah. assistance from more nimble family members yes. to do this <laughs> yes um, yes but boy is this this light is is bright like it it you know there's um uh, you know I've, I've got other figures that have light up components that are quite weak uh there's no problems here whatsoever i mean you know this thing uh this thing could sort of you know down an aircraft i think it's uh, <laughs> It's pretty impressive. But, um, yeah, what else have we got in here, Scotty? There's more good so, stuff. Well, we outside of the the repulsor and beam and booster effects, um, which are all blue, we then do have some yellow and flamey effects, and uh, we have wrist rockets, um, which are – these are very tiny um, – but really cool that plug into the top of his, uh, not yeah, the top of his glove, so that you can you know, have like little fiery, firing things. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're Bit of a uh, nod to the first film, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and and one thing that I really noticed as I've done most of these swap out pieces is that they it feels like oh this is going to be really fiddly, but actually they fit in and stick and. Um, you know, they're they're generally not wobbly, etc. Like it's really yeah, well yeah. constructed, so that you're not yes. gonna because if if stuff's falling off every two seconds, like you know, then I completely lose interest because I'm I don't have the patience for that. Yep. So that yes. is really <laughs> cool. Um, the other thing too, and I really need you to explain this to me is uh, power pods. What what are what are these? I don't really get it. Oh, are they the things the things on his hips? Yeah. Oh, are they called? See, I, I I've never known that terminology. The the, uh, the discs on his hips, the hip hip discs. I think they are. Yeah. Look, I think you know they never really served a purpose in the early days. I mean, if I if I think back, you know, they would probably say something to do with, um, you know, he was originally transistor powered because, uh, you know, Stan thought that sounded really fancy back in, you know, 1963 or whenever it was. Um, and so, you know, they probably contributed to, you know, powering the actual suit. 
uh, and they just kind of stuck around as a design element. And so what's actually really fun about this figure is, you know, we are looking at that that classic red and gold armor that he wore for a long time, but we've got some updates. So, you know, the arm rocket, um, which you mentioned before, I think is actually uh, a nod to, you know, the, the newer Iron Man, particularly like the scene in the first film where he fires the rocket at the tank. Um, out of his out of his gauntlet um, and so what we actually get is uh, some replacement um, hip discs that uh, open and then shoot out little missiles basically which uh, I think we saw in the Avengers he had that that kind of thing happening where he would send out this um, this swarm of small missiles um, and so yeah you can actually swap out those discs and, and click in these hip discs that have got um, four little missiles firing out of it. So um, if you actually take the time to go to the Mezco website and have a look at the solicitation for this Iron Man, they, they've actually got not only some really good photography in terms of the quality of the images, but um, that there's some really good uh, thinking that has gone into some of these poses. So that chest beam that I mentioned, which is a lot of fun, there's a great pose where he's kind of got his arms back um, you know, out of the way, and he's he's kind of almost thrusting his chest out to do the chest beam, uh, and and it works really well because you kind of think, well, that's what he you know he would probably do, and the, and the same goes with the hip discs as well. So, but they were just so tiny and fiddly. I, I didn't I didn't play with them for long. <laughs> no, but again, it's the it's that level of complexity that you discover as you start to make these changes, and then realize, yes. oh wow, this is there's not just extra tooling. Etc., but extra engineering to make the swap out stuff work and stick well, you know, etc. So, yes, uh, super impressive. Um, and then, oh, I think we might have just skipped over explaining what the different hands are. Um, we have, we have our obviously the, the requisite fists, uh, and then now we don't have Adam here to come up with the really <laughs> elaborate um, hands. But essentially there's two different types of uh, non-fist hands, one which you can stick the effects into and then one which just then have the um, repulsor. Yeah, it's kind of like a bit of a claw hand, isn't it? Like it's a, it's an open hand but he's he's tensing it and that's just a, a lot an alternative to having a, the fist, but then the, the, the very open hand is clearly, um, you know, made for those booster effects to, to really give you that impression that he's, he's got his hands open and using that to stabilize his flight. So, which is, which is pretty cool. A bit disappointing that the, um, the blood, the booster effects only fit in that particular set of hands, but I mean, you know, they, they do work and that's the purpose. Well, um, I suppose, I mean, if you, if you think about it, if you look at the, the kind of the hands that don't have the ability to attach, you would either you'd have to be happy with the indented look or have a tiny little swap out piece to put the uh, effects in. So I can kind of understand why they did that. Um, it is, but these, and to me, they're really, uh, you know, you know, I don't, normally love playing with swap out bits and often when I'm reviewing stuff I don't bother trying to do each one because I know how I'm gonna you know yeah. display it but this is one where I have actually 
<laughs> done every single bit because, yeah. like, as you said, there's just been so much thought put into, uh, you know, not just the types of effects, but also then the way that the articulation that is needed to be able to pose to to really use them beautifully. So yeah. that's yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, and. and- I, I think what also made this figure a lot of fun for me is uh, when you actually open the box and you you know you take everything out. You've got that that top tray, that over over tray. I'm going to call it the overlay tray. Um, you know, which you, you've, you've got to you know jam over your fingers. Tray. Over I think that tray. <laughs> something new for the, No, I think there might be something new for the lexicon, John. Oh, can, yeah, get to, get uh, get on that, please, John. But uh, you know, once you actually get that tray off, what I really liked was, um, you know, he's just sitting, or you know, he's he's laying in that that little alcove uh, of his, and there's nothing else holding him down. Like there's there's no twist ties. He doesn't have that really annoying thing where they jam figures into plastic trays, and you've actually got to kind of pop each limb out separately, and and then you know. Um, he just lifts out. And then, of course, the first thing you notice is this dude is heavy. Yeah. Well, that again, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, okay, so this is, you know, more of a, like, you know, cast. And then as soon as I held it in my hand, I was like, oh, okay. It's got some, <laughs> it's got some weight to it. You know, it's- Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've commented before about how, um, you know, one of the fun things about the Mezco 112 is when you lift these figures out, you immediately notice – uh, the difference in in that heft, um, you know, you you, you and, and I, I guess it's a little bit comforting. You sort of feel like you're getting a bit more for your, your money. Uh, you know, that extra weight clearly is you know all quality. <laughs> um, so you know, there's that that kind of psychological thing. But but this guy, uh, yeah, he's he's probably even double the weight of a normal you know Mezco figure because yeah. uh, he has diecast components. Yeah. I can't. Stop. I'm just. I keep kind of moving him around into different positions and looking at him, and it really is that. Like to me, being the the classic kid, this is like the quintessential six inch classic Iron Man figure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like the the light up aside, just the 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 sculpt, the the weight, the uh, the beautiful. Uh, now I don't know if this is. I'm assuming that it's been cast in these colours, so I don't know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you'd you'd have to sort of be concerned with the paint on the um on the metal, but I mean, you know, being metal, hopefully the the type of paint they have actually used is something that's quite uh, hard. You know, I mean, painting cars and things like that. So I'd like to think that they've um done something but i mean you know you, you you're sitting there and one of the first things i was doing when I, I felt the heft of the figure was i'm sitting there tapping all the different parts of his body working out which part is die cast and which isn't and um and like that that sort of uh his his torso the i guess what you call it the chest part that upper part with those classic kind of raised um circles around uh, the shoulders and that is actually all metal um, but then, you know, his, um, his boots, you know, from the, uh, the, 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 I guess they're a type of, you know, pirate boot with that large bit on the top, um, you know, you're tapping them and, and, you know, they're all metal except, um, I think the, the feet are plastic, but then the rest of the boot is actually metal. And so, you know, he's sitting there going tap, 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 and, and, and checking out what's metal, but, 
yeah, he's got some. I was actually concerned when I got a standout. I just grabbed one that I had nearby, which was one of the ones that Maddie Collector used to sell. Uh, and I actually thought, wow, you know, you're really going to have to make sure you pick a good sturdy um, stand if you want to have him in a flying pose because he could potentially pull it over. Like he's, you know, just that heavy, basically. Mm. Uh, no, it's, it's brilliant. Now, one thing that we haven't talked about yet is that we we have also a flip up visor with a tony face yes <laughs> i'm going to pop mine off now and of course it's it's also nicely engineered that um you know trying to sort of get uh you know get this mask off is not as easy as you think because it is it is so snug fitting compared to the rest of the helmet so that that gold faceplate actually comes off but um, there's a little magnet in it. Yes. Yep. Um, Which is really clever. Yes. And so you don't have to worry about losing it if you're quick enough to actually place it on his head because the magnet just holds it in place. And there's even a little sticker on the inside of that faceplate that has some diagnostics on it, which is kind of fun. But, um, yeah, here I, I think, again, is a, a, another sort of nod to a bit of a, a modern element and that is that um, when you're actually looking at Tony's portrait, you're not immediately getting um, that sort of classic, you know, scruffy-headed guy because he's wearing one of those um, – uh, it's kind of like a balaclava that, yeah. you know, like the like, – I think it might be like a heat thing. Um, you know, firefighters wear them when they put on their gear to go into buildings. Formula One drivers wear them under their helmets and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. you can see the top and bottom of one of those that he's actually wearing. So, which I th- I found interesting. Like, is that because I don't know if there's a is that is that something that you would have expected to see in a classic Iron Man? Or? No, I certainly don't think it was anything that he ever war in the in the comics unless it you know it came much later but of course it eventually got to a point where um you know his armor evolved so much that uh i think you know gosh even as as recent as a few years ago the armor actually used to come out of his skin it used to be stored inside his body and it would actually come out through the pores in his skin um as as you do yeah. So yes, well, that, well, that's right. So, so yeah, it's it's a nice little nod um, to some uh, you know some modern elements, and I, I think that's good because you know as, as we know as time goes on, you know Tony's um, early armor does actually look quite dated, um, and so I can see why people sort of uh, took the opportunity to update it. But what I really like about this this classic figure are some of these really subtle lines they've added to the armor and uh, i think it's it's it stands out um, on the gold better than it does the red there's just these nice lines like on his thighs for example that sort of give us this um impression that you know it's made up of a number of pieces and you can see some small rivets uh in places and it just kind of breaks up those large areas that would otherwise be you know just a giant chunk of uh, you know of gold plastic uh, and it, it breaks it up, and and it's quite aesthetically pleasing, I have to say. Mm, yeah, it's it's amazing. So yeah. good. <laughs> the 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 level of detail on the sculpted all the armor pieces is really impressive. Like when you look at the like thighs, you know, for example, there are there's been real thought put to the actual 
mechanics of this armor and you know, what it would the pieces that it would come in etc so i yeah i think that is just amazing yeah super super clever it is. And I think, you know, given that we've actually got, I'm, I'm again trying to work out whether this gold, I, I'm pretty sure this gold is actually sprayed um, on. It's not actually cast okay. in, in that colour. I'm just looking in at some of the uh, the articulation, you know, points, and I can see kind of a different coloured plastic ever so subtle in there as well. Um, yeah, look, you know, you might think by now that um, we are rather glowing uh, of this figure and, uh, you know, for good reason. You know, it's it's really beautifully put together. But I must admit um, it did take a bit of a downturn when it got to the articulation. Okay. You you, you talk through that because you're more of an articulation <laughs> person than me. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the first thing you notice, which I thought, oh, okay, was he's got ball-jointed hips and – you know, it's like, oh, okay. I thought ball jointed hips had pretty much gone by the wayside with you know the days of Toy Biz Marvel Legends uh, sort of thing, and you know the uh, that that sort of T crotch that we got with DC Universe Classics, you know, became the the standard way of getting that articulation in there. But no, this is a, a ball joint, and um, it's you know it works. It's um, it's it's largely hidden. But uh, what I found rather infuriating is if you actually stand him up as if he's just standing to attention and you start to lift up one of the legs towards you as if he's just doing a, a kick straight out in front. The the thigh, the sculpting of the thighs, um, you've got this kind of high point just as they reach uh, his hips where, you know, the armour comes up to a bit of a, a point almost. And as you start to lift the leg up, it actually hits um, his, his kind of his groin. And so you know, you can probably lift that leg up, you know, at best about 30 degrees. Um, like it's it's really, you know, rather limiting as to how far you can actually lift uh, that leg, which is odd because if you actually go the other way and you do like a lateral move, um, as if he was doing, you know, a, a sidekick or something, uh, you, the ball joint allows for a huge range of motion that way, just not forwards. And I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's rather odd. Um, and then you've got this situation where he's got double-jointed elbows, but again, the way the pieces are sculpted, as you begin to sort of bend that arm at the elbow, um, the, the forearm comes up and then it actually touches the bicep. Uh, and so even with the double-jointed elbows, you can't really get that um, you can't really get that range of movement past about 90 degrees. Uh, whereas, of course, we you know we're used to the double jointed elbows almost allowing them to sort of touch their own shoulder, um, but again, the the sculpt is what actually inhibits um, that joint from you know being its most um, you know at its most useful. So you know that that was a little disappointing for me. Um, you know the shoulders are actually very good. You've got those kind of um, you know just the standard you know pin and disc shoulders like you would find on a Marvel Legend. There's a nice bicep swivel which actually works really well because. Um, of the way the, the shoulder is sculpted, it doesn't look uh, unusual to sort of twist. I've complained in the past that sometimes the bicep swivel looks really weird, um, but uh, this this works quite well. Um, the wrists actually have a huge range of motion because they've got a, a rather large um, pin and disc in there. And so, you know, if you want to do that repulsor blast with him holding his palm up, facing his enemy so you can make the most of those um those blast effects, uh, there's a, a really good range of movement there. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know about you, Scotty, but I actually found the, the swap over at the hands all fairly straightforward because oh, yeah. they're, actually, they're actually quite large yeah. um, uh, pins. So they, you know, they all worked quite well. So, yeah, look, that, that was a little bit disappointing. I thought the feet, um, you know, you got some, you know, some movement in the rockers and so you can definitely get a nice stable pose in standing him up. But, you know, you can't get a, a huge range of motion out of that ankle joint. So, of course, you know, I have him, you know, in a, in a bit of a flight pose in my Marvel Legends display. I, uh, I booted my Iron Man figure to put this one in. Um, but, then, you know, then I found, like, I wanted to sort of point his toes down um, to get you know more of a uh, aerodynamic pose, but I couldn't get that range of motion out of the the ankle joint, um, which was a, a bit disappointing. And you know, look, I, I when I was actually playing with all the uh, the extra bits, you know, like the chest beam and replicating some of the poses that you actually get uh, on the back of the box, which is cool. Um, you know, it, it's all quite legit. You know, you can actually get those fun. Uh, poses thrusting that chest out with his sort of fists back by his side to to make the most of the chest beam etc but yeah I, I don't i don't know why they made some of these choices um and then you know sculpted pieces that don't allow the joints to to give that full range of motion it's uh, i don't know I'm, I'm i'm trying to work out whether you know there, there was a compromise made like you know could they've done something different slightly different to allow greater movement but um yeah, look, he's just he's just he's just so sweet to look at that it's yeah. it's not you know, if this had been a, a standalone toy of the week, you know, maybe I could have taken half a point off because oh look, you know, he doesn't have a huge range of motion, but um he's just so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I look I'm just I'm in awe of this and I I have a feeling that this is going to become a very popular figure yes uh, because it is that real iconic look and yes uh, and just the quality of the piece itself so i would say that if you are uh thinking that you're interested in this i would grab it while it's still at its current price <laughs> definitely definitely yeah look it's uh it's a, a stunner. I, and, i mean you know this there's, there's also um i don't think they've compromised on the number of articulation points. So, for example, he's actually got that. Uh, I don't know whether we actually have a name for it, but that I think Adam knows what it's called. But the double jointed neck. So you've got that, um, you know, that initial um, joint which allows you to to get a really awesome range of movement from his head. But then the bottom of his neck, where it meets the torso, also has a joint that can, you know, you can actually move his neck around. So. Uh, there's a huge range of options in terms of you know moving that that head around and getting you know he can actually look um, he can actually tilt that head back and get him looking sort of straight up quite easily and then you can almost get his chin you know right down on his chest as well so you know there's some some beautiful range of movement there which is pretty cool and there's a, a pretty groovy um pretty groovy sort of chest um, as well and there's uh, also some range of movement in the waist so. Yeah, so it's all there. Like it's oh yes, I didn't even realise that. But his um his boots twist, so he's actually got like a calf cut um hidden hidden there, and you can actually twist those boots as well. So it's oh, there you go. <laughs> it, like you know, it is like obviously I'm just kind of fanboying now, but it is that real like this is the Iron Man figure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. 
Go yeah, grab it, people. Yeah. Go grab it. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I have no problem saying that you know that this will easily supplant uh, any Marvel Legends figure I've got, and I have pretty much every uh, every Iron Man figure that that Toy Biz or, or Hasbro have produced in six inch, um, and I've got a whole shelf dedicated to them. But you know, this is the one that will actually go in my Avengers display because next to that classic Captain America, you know, it's uh, it's stunning. That's very cool. It's very very cool. Well, that is the end of this uh, Toy Breakdown, and it is also the end of this show. Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure yes, sharing indeed. this time with you, and I, uh, I'm, I'm keen to kind of see what's next in the Marvel world. I need to properly talk about Doctor Strange at some point because he is a really, really cool figure. I don't know if you're oh, good. On. Picking him up for him. Uh, look, I think I'll initially live vicariously through you, but if your report is uh, glowing enough, then I might just add him, add him to the want list. Excellent. Outstanding. Um, well, thanks, everybody. It's been super fun. Thank you, Eddie, for your great contributions to this uh, show as well. And we'll see you next time. Indeed. Catch you later. Bye, everybody. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nath Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mark's Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 